Hey everybody, it's Doug Bursch and you're listening to Fairly Spiritual. So today we're going to talk about creativity. The whole expression of creativity, all of it. Well, maybe not all of it, we only got like 30 minutes here, but artistic expressions like painting and drawing and dancing. How should creativity play a role in our spiritual life? Is it secondary to good theology? Can creativity be theology? Well, since God is literally the creator, we might should get a handle on this. Today's show, Creativity in a Devouring World. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. Doug Bursch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. Uh, so that song we were just listening to, that's by my brother, Dan Bursch, and that is a creative expression of music. Uh, he wrote the music. I think he played most of the instruments. Well, I guess he played the piano. He had a drummer. I think the drummer on that is my brother-in-law. Uh, got together a group of people. I think most of them actually were Christians. They don't have to be Christians to play the music. But uh, they played the music, went into a studio, it was mixed, and all the things that happen when you put together an album, you can clearly tell that that's not something I do. But they did that, they put together the music, and now that creative expression is out there to bless people. And I'll tell you, some days when I'm down, when I'm not feeling good, uh, when I'm just in need of a lift, I listen to my brother's music. By the way, I don't just listen when I'm down, but particularly when I need something to encourage me, I go onto iTunes and I still, I should probably pay for a CD, shouldn't I? I? I've paid for these in the past at concerts and stuff, but I also stream. Boy, I just, I, just, I think I just, I think I need to go buy another album or something. But anyway, <laughs> I stream his albums, right? I, I search Dan Bursch and then I stream one of his songs. Um, I think he's got like three albums up there and I'll pick the ones that I like and I'll listen and I'll be encouraged. Now, he writes Christian music, and so someone could say, well, yeah, you know, it's good Christian content, and Christian content should encourage you. But I'm not just encouraged by Christian content. Uh, There are other days when I just need encouragement, and I will type in Thomas Newman. Thomas Newman is someone who does soundtracks for movies like Finding Nemo and uh, WALL-E, and I'm just picking Disney or Pixar films. He's done other films as well. But I will listen to some of the songs from those soundtracks, And they're just beautiful to me. And in fact, I feel like sometimes listening to one of his songs, like one of the songs is Define Dancing from Wally. That's where Wally and Eva are out. Or is it Eve? Eva. I don't don't know. Anyway, they're out in the... I sounded like E.T. there, didn't I? But anyway, they're out in space and they're dancing around. And uh, the song that's playing in the background is called Define Dancing. And when I listen to that song... 
It'll often bring tears to my eyes, and I just feel peace. It can be healing to me. There's a power in creativity, and often the church, I think, struggles with this. We don't know what to do with it because, well, I don't know if God can just work through music and through feelings and emotions. There's got to be a sermon, you know, with three points. I mean, I get it. You can maybe put a poem with the three points, and you can maybe put an illustration with the three points, but there's got to be clear content that clearly directs you to Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord and our soon-coming King or, or whatever the things are that we're trying to theologically prove. On today's show, I want to talk a little bit about the power of creativity and how in this devouring age, we need to be people who create and also facilitate creation. Our God is a creator God, and he created us in his image. And being people who image God on earth, it is our right, our responsibility, and our privilege to create. And when I talk about creation in all forms, you know, we certainly have procreation that we've been given the ability to do that, but to create in any way that we have the ability to write whatever we want to write and to say whatever we want to say and do whatever we want to do as a form of new creative expression. Now, of course, when I say whatever we want to do, we, we don't want to do things contrary to God's will or things that go against God's express purposes for humanity, but there's this large space where creativity can be beautiful and lovely that I, I honestly don't think many of us walk in. I think there's this huge area that Christians and the church have simply missed when it comes to creativity. And uh, one of the reasons I think we've missed it is we really do live in a pharisaical age. We live in a pharisaical assessment culture. If I were to look at this culture, we are raising up experts at criticism and critique. If you look at social media, one of, one of the favorite pastimes of social media is to wait for someone to create something and then to spend all our time tearing down that thing. And our ability to, to assess things, to tear things down, to criticize things, we're able to do this at a level that's with more minutia and more carefully crafted words and more blog posts and tweets. and uh, We are able to tear things down and to pull things apart at a greater way and a greater level than ever before in the history of the world. I've even noticed in teaching college classes, at the end of a college class, they usually do an assessment for the teacher, and I do well in those. I'm not trying to brag, I just do well in those because I do classes a little differently. Uh, they're just a little bit more outgoing and fun and exciting. But I've noticed that even in the last 10 years, students feel far more comfortable just to be really critical in their assessments than they did 10 years ago. We're just raised to believe that the response to anything creative is to immediately tear it apart. Or even it's the first response if we see something. You know, I, I always marvel at this concept. Well, we'll someone will go to, I go to the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. Uh, I write reviews for their musicals and so I'll go to opening night, and you have you know hundreds of people who put on this musical. It might be a new musical. They put their heart and soul into it, and someone will write a review, and the first thing they say is something negative. The first thing. Now, even if I saw a musical where I thought it had huge flaws, or or you know primarily it was not a good musical, like when it's all said and done, ah, they probably shouldn't do it again. You know that kind of thing. I am still going to recognize the fact that. What, hundreds of people have been involved in this musical that people have put their life, like <laughs> the writer of this musical, the directors, they've spent 
their existence on this for the last three, four, five, ten years. You know, how long have they spent on this? And then instead of first just saying, you know, here's some good things about it, not just to be polite, but just to value the humanity of the creative process, instead of doing that immediately just to say, ah, you know, it's garbage, hated it. I'll see people on Twitter who will, will talk about a director or a writer, an author, and with one sweeping statement, they'll just say, ah, he hasn't made anything good in the last 20 years. And you'll be like, really? Like nothing good? And this isn't about like really bad content. You know, this isn't like the guy who just puts out garbage because he just wants to make money. They'll, they'll pick some, I don't, I don't know, like I, I saw people do this with Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson's movies, they're different, they're quirky. You, you, you either kind of like them or you don't like them. But, but clearly there's amazing artistic expression in that. And I, I saw people just like, you know, ever since this movie, it's been all downhill. And he'd, he'd done, I don't know how many movies since then. Seven, eight, nine, ten, and I just thought, how amazingly flippant we are that we can take someone's life work and just immediately assess it. But that's what we're doing. We don't just do that when it comes to artistic expressions. We do that with church expressions. We we have more church expressions than ever before, and we are more comfortable than ever before just to tear them apart. In fact, if I were to look at it, uh, when it comes to the advancement of the church, when it comes to to creating new expressions. By the way, like in America, the church is declining. Less people want to be pastors. Fewer people are going into the ministry. That's a crisis. But at the same time, we have more people critiquing pastors and churches. So we have more people leaving the church, critiquing the church, uh, upset about the church, blogging about what's wrong with the church, tweeting about what's wrong with the church. We have masses of thousands and thousands of people who can no longer find a church to go to. Yet we don't have people willing to say, well, hey, let's create something that's different. No, we just have more and more people talking about what's wrong with the fewer and fewer people who are actually trying to do the work. I would see it this way. It's almost like we're building these grandstands around a playing field, a football or a soccer field. We're building these bigger and bigger grandstands where more and more people are in the stands critiquing Less and less players out in the field. By the way, fewer and less and more. And I realize grammatically, I think I'm using all those words wrong. I know you're supposed to use less and fewer and more. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I just, the dyslexic in me doesn't have time to figure it out. All I know is we have more experts in the stand. Well, he should be going that way. He should be doing that. She should be doing this. And we have less people who actually want to play the game. So we live in this pharisaical culture. And, and I use it in this term because Jesus, uh, his ministry was like this. Jesus actively was advancing the kingdom of God. Although he was tearing down corrupt uh, structures and systems, he was building community. He had the disciples with him. He was forming community. He was doing ministry to contrast the ministry that he thought was wrong. Jesus didn't just go around and say, this is what's wrong with you. This is what's wrong with you. Jesus actually did ministry. And while he was doing ministry, he also confronted bad ministry. That's biblical. It's not biblical just to go find people who are doing stuff wrong and talk about what they're doing wrong, but not give an example of what's right. I, there's just It's just not biblical. I know that offends people, but you can't do that your whole life. People say, well, you know, John the Baptist, he was a voice crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist still had people who followed him, disciples, and people went to find John the Baptist in the wilderness in order to be baptized by him. So he had a ministry of baptism as he spoke against the world. That's far different than just being someone in isolation complaining about the world. But we have a culture where we just see it as second nature to sit around and complain. 
So we're spectators, and that's what the Pharisees would do. They would follow Jesus around, they would wait for him to do something, and then they would assess it. Now, hear me clearly, we should assess things that are wrong. There's nothing wrong with assessment if we can give an example of something else. If we're creating something, we have the right to engage the creative process and the assessment process. In fact, artists often will critique one another in the spirit of creativity. If you look, in fact, at great artistic expressions uh, where, you know, the Impressionist, when they rose up, or any movement, by the way, I just threw that out because that's one movement I can figure out. But if you look at any artistic movement, often you'll get four or five uh, authors or four or five uh, artists where their work influences each other. And so they're creating, but they're also assessing and critiquing one another. But it's not just one person creating and five people around just complaining. It's not that. It's not, well, a bunch of critics gathered around one person and said, you're doing a terrible job, and suddenly our art got better. Like 20 people came around, one guy doing it wrong, and suddenly our churches got better. That's not how it works. So we live in this pharisaical culture, and that's only going to increase. People become greater experts on what's wrong, but more reluctant to do what's right. And there's a reason for that, because they know the same spirit they use to assess others will be used against them. And that's one of the reasons we need to create, because when you create, you temper what you say. It's very easy to complain about the organization of any event when you've never done it, but when you do it yourself, you temper what you say. If you've never pastored a church, it's very easy to be an expert about being a pastor. It's very easy to be a teacher when you've never been a teacher. This is what the teacher should do. This is what the school should do. If you've never been a teacher, if you've never worked in the schools, it's very easy to be an expert. I was an expert about pastoring until I became a pastor. It's very easy to say what the church should do until you actually what are facilitating a healthy church expression. It's very easy as a young person, you see this, there's lots of young people talking about what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that. It's very easy to be hypothetically challenging what's wrong in the world. It's harder to abide in community for, a long, for the long haul. The integrity of our rebukes, the integrity of our criticism will come from our ability to say, not that, but this. Let's not do that, but let's do this. Join me in doing something better or joining others who are doing something better. But if all we are are critics of other people's expressions, we're not going to facilitate a better dialogue. We're certainly not going to facilitate more creativity. We live in a pharisaical world where we're creating bigger bleachers, but less people are on the field. Another thing you're seeing in our culture is we're aggregating everything. Aggregating is where, uh, you know, content is created, and then other people take that content and they aggregate it out. So one person does a column. You've seen this in the newspaper industry. One person will write a column, and then that column is run in all the newspapers around the United States. It used to be you had lots, lots of local reporters, local newspapers, local content. Well, we don't make any money in newspapers anymore, and so what do we do? We have one person who writes a national column, and then that column is aggregated into all kinds of little columns. We see this with content as well. Someone writes, uh, someone creates something and then everybody takes their creative stuff and then we, we either aggregate that creative stuff or we all comment on it. So everybody writes a blog about the latest book that one person wrote. I mean, literally you'll see through Twitter, there are certain pastors and leaders that a bunch of people just follow them to critique them. So they'll wait for a tweet, and then they aggregate that tweet. They take that tweet and then they respond to it. And what's wrong with it? 
And then there's this whole community. It's like, it's like it, it literally the creativity of one person becomes the food for thousands of other people. Some people use it as their own aggregation where they, they follow along and retweet that and share it with everyone and rally around it. Others use that tweet in order to criticize it and talk about what's wrong with the person and make fun of them and ridicule them. But to me, what's troubling, it's one person creating and thousands and thousands of people just aggregating their creation. I'd much rather see a thousand different expressions of what God is saying than everybody rallying around one man's expression. We live in an aggregated culture. Another issue that you see in our creative area is that we are too narrowly defining what is worthy. I think we should actually facilitate in our culture an understanding for Christians that a worthy expression is far more than just quote-unquote Christian content. In fact, it should be less about the subject of the content and more about the heart of the person creating it. Uh, if, if I am a Christian, if I create something under the Lord, or if I just create something out, out of, out of, out of, of my being, who I am, someone who lives, you know, let's say right now, I'm in good relationship with God, I'm in good relationship with the community of God. If something, if I create something, a picture, a painting, a short story, it doesn't have to have God in it for it to glorify God. We need to open up the ability for people to glorify God creative expressions. And sadly, often when we say, you know, we need more Christian artists and Christian poets and Christian writers, then we put this pressure on them that they have to create this really meaningful work that has a strong religious imagery versus just letting them be free to express things that are natural to their character. Because if they're in Christ and they're in a good place with Christ, the stuff that they create will be good. It'll be good stuff. That's a, an artistic term. Good stuff. I find this, like, I took up painting about six months ago. I'm not a good painter. I'm just messing around. I just do it because it's something to do. And I've been, I've been working on it. I do abstract, acrylics, just messing around. And one of the things I decided to do was just when I, almost everything that I create, I'll post a picture of it on Facebook or on Twitter. And some people think I'm doing it because I think they think I want praise. And honestly, I'm just doing it in obedience. One, because I know I'll even do something and go, I don't really like this, but I want people to know I'm trying something new. And so I post it because I know as a pastor and even different situations that what I'm trying to encourage other people to do is just go do it. Here's Doug doing something and unapologetically saying, hey, I spent two hours. Here's the thing that you know I ended up with. I don't even know if I like it, but here you go. I want to encourage people to enter into that creative process for them to know, hey, there's no shame in that. I'm just doing something. And then they can say, well, you know, I'm not really an artist. I go, I'm not an artist either. And they can talk about, you know, I, I can just, I can literally just go back to them and say, yeah, do you have a desire to do it? Do it. Well, I'm not very good at it. Neither am I. But I've noticed when I post things <clears throat> and some things are pretty abstract and it's amazing. Like I, I like using reds and oranges and yellows. I just do. 
And I, I, I'll post something with red and orange and yellow. And there was one that had kind of a fiery look to it. And I just posted it. And because I'm a pastor, I don't know. I guess people assume that what I'm creating has to be religious. And so people are assuming I'm painting hell. Or, By the way, that's not the image I'd have of hell. But they start writing all these religious images. And I'm just, it's just a painting. It, I think maybe it's a fire. I don't know. Maybe there's some embers, and maybe there's a cave, and there's a family, but why does it have to be about the Holy Spirit or about <laughs> the fires of hell or what, whatever people are reading into it? And I realized just because I had the title of pastor, there's the expectation that the things I create somehow have to have this super deep religious meaning. And sadly, we've put that on people as well. We need to facilitate creativity. So in the church, if someone wants to make something beautiful, a beautiful short story, a beautiful song, and I don't mean beautiful even just that it sounds you know, beautiful to the ears, but it just, wow, that's, that's amazing. That is a wonderful piece of art. That is a great song. That is well done, that it should have value in the doing as a creative expression of that person imaging God, or God being imaged through that person. See, the issue Paul says for us in Romans 1, is he says the sin that every human has entered into is that although we are created, we suppress that knowledge and we worship the created instead of the creator. So the issue isn't creating stuff that has a bunch of religious imagery. The issue is giving God praise for what we've created. So if someone says, hey, that's a beautiful thing you created, I can say, well, I just want to praise God for that. I want to praise God for giving me these gifts. I want to praise God for giving me the ability to, to think of that short story. I want to praise God for giving me the ability to write or to speak or to dance or to draw or whatever it is. The issue is instead of going, well, yeah, well, well of course, I'm such a wonderful person. That's the problem. The problem is when we begin to serve ourselves and talk about how great we are and begin to think we're really special and important and better than other people because of what we created. When we begin to worship ourselves or we worship other people instead of the creator. That's what's wrong with the arts. When we worship the musician, when we worship Oprah, when we worship, you know, what Taylor Swift, whoever it is, when we begin to praise the person Versus say, hey, that's beautiful music. Isn't it great that God gave you those talents? We must facilitate creativity in all its forms and all its expressions. But often we too narrowly define what creative Christian expression can even be. I, I ultimately think Christians should be creating things and they don't have to have Christ in the title or in the imagery. We too often limit the image of God. Here's another issue with creativity. And I think it's a, it's an incredible shame. God is fully God in all expressions of himself. And that sounds so vague, but let me explain. Too often the church makes this hierarchy of who God really is. And it's almost like this. God is the theologian. God is the scientist. God is the clearly understood postulate. You know, he's the the clearly understood, here's point one, point two, point three. This is who God is. But God is as much theologian as God is poet, as God is philosopher, as God is dancer. I mean, we need to follow this all the way through. 
The gift of dance comes from God. God is dancer. God is singer. God is poet. God is musician. God is music. So the most beautiful music, the most beautiful dance, the most beautiful artistic expressions are expressions of God. And yet often we limit expressions of God to certain expressions. And I think we do damage to the fullness of God in our midst, and we do damage to the image of God in our brothers and sisters. Because not everyone has the gifting to speak. Not everyone has the gifting of theology. But some people have the gifting to write beautiful music, to create amazing portraits and amazing paintings and to write deep, evocative poems, to ask complex philosophical questions. And these, too, are expressions of God in our midst. It's just wrong when we limit God to to one aspect. We should be able to see God in his fullness, in the full, full expression of every gifting. We know that. We see that with the athletes, right? The best football player. I thank God that I can throw this football. Yeah, you know, the best athletic prowess, the whatever the best joy in sports is, that's an expression of God. Well, the best dance, the best artistic expression is also an expression of God as well. Here's, here's the main reason I'm doing this. We must be people who encourage creativity. If someone comes to me with a creative idea, I want to breathe life into it. And that's the question I have for you. Are you encouraging creativity in your own life? And are you encouraging creativity in the lives of others? Or do you just kind of you know downplay it, make fun of it, laugh at it? Honestly, are you encouraging creativity in your children if you have children? Are you encouraging creativity in your spouse? Are you encouraging creativity in your life? Are you, well, you know, it's not as important. I need to do the important stuff. I'm telling you, there's something powerful in seeing God in every creative expression. I have found comfort in a beautiful song as much as I have found comfort in a beautiful sermon. And I'm okay with that. I know we're encouraging a lot of beautiful sermons or good sermons or theologically correct sermons, but I don't know if we're encouraging a lot of beautiful songs. Is there a song in you that needs to be written down or sung? Is there a poem in you that needs to be written? Do you need to take up drawing again or painting again or writing again? There's something that happens too. Maybe it's not about other people, but just what happens when we, when we begin to create there's other parts of ourself that are reached. It's a different language to connect with God and to connect with ourselves. Are you encouraging creativity in others and in yourself? This is what I think happens when we stop creating. When we stop creating, we become pharisaical. This is how it happens in churches. I found this. If you're not doing the ministry God has called you to do, you'll begin to just be critical of other people who are ministering. This, it's often a sign. If you just are becoming really critical, you're critical of everything that's being preached and taught and done, uh, it's sometimes a sign 
that you're not doing what you've been called to do because maybe you should be preaching something or teaching something or leading something. Maybe there's a ministry you're supposed to be doing, and because you're not doing that ministry, you're getting restless and you're assessing the ministry of others. It's like someone who should be cooking along with the other cooks, but you're not, so you're just in the kitchen, and so all you can do is participate through what? Criticizing how they're cooking. So that's a question you have to ask yourself. Are you getting frustrated with others because there's giftings in you that you're not pursuing? Are you growing bitter and frustrated with others because there's things that you need to do? So I wanted to do today's show. It's a little different, but I just, I'm hoping someone listening right now that there is an artist out there who's going to take that step of faith and start painting. Some of you, you're going to start again. You stopped maybe when the kids were young and it was too hard to do that, but you're going to go to your spouse and you're going to say, I need to paint. This is important to me. It's how God expresses himself to me and through me. I need you to take it seriously. I need to find a way to make room in our schedule for me to paint. There's someone out there who needs to do that. And that can make all the difference in your faith and the faith of others. There's someone else out there that maybe you do need to write that book. And you're frustrated with other books and you're frustrated with what other people are saying. And instead of even worrying about whether a lot of people read your book or whether you get it published or you self-publish it, you know that you were called to create something. And you'll regret it if you don't create something. So you need to just sit down with the family or if it's just you and a friend or whoever and say, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to do whatever it takes to write it. There's others out there where there's creative expressions of others, and you realize, I need to start encouraging people to create. You realize maybe in your spouse or in your friend or in your church, with the people around you, that you haven't been that encouraging. Or maybe you realize that's your strength to encourage other people to create. Now's the day to start encouraging others to create. God has given you that ability to help others stir up their giftings and create. And I think there might be some out there as well who realize you've become a little pharisaical. You've bought into the devouring spirit of this culture, and you spend a lot of your time critiquing what others are doing wrong. And hear me correctly, you're correct on most of those things. What you see is true that it is true that that church is doing something wrong, and that pastor is doing something wrong, and that movie wasn't very good, and that column should have been better, and that blog isn't right, and that politician is terrible. But if you look at your life, you realize you're spending so much time critiquing other people that there's no time left for you to create something yourself. Maybe today is the day where you start making room for God's creativity in you. Maybe there's something you need to write, you need to create, a ministry you need to start and facilitate or help out with. Maybe that's something God is calling you to do today. We are created in the image of God, and we have our creator God with us to help us do these things. He delights in ministering with us, in us, and through us.
So open your mouth and speak the words God gives you. Open your mouth and sing the songs God gives you. Pick up the, the brush stroke or the brush and start painting the things on the canvas that God desires for you to paint. And even if it doesn't quite work out in the beginning, know that there's nothing wrong with trying to create. You won't regret that. I don't think you will. I don't think you will regret trying to create something. It's a far more meaningful life trying to create something than just assessing the creativity of others. All right. Hey, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not through with you. Uh, if you want to pick up something I created, or at least God helped me create, my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, is available on Amazon. There's an audible version for those who want me to read to you. There's also a digital version as well. That's the best way to support this podcast. Buy the book. Give it to someone it's incredibly important for me to get the word out. I feel like God gave me that message for that book. It'll, it'll encourage people who struggle being in community. It'll encourage pastors. It'll encourage anyone who's been hurt by community but needs help in abiding with others. So you can pick up the community of God at Amazon or basically Amazon. Or you can go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Fairly Spiritual. This song is by my brother, Dan Bursch. You can support his creativity by buying one of his songs on iTunes. All right, I'll see you next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through But you've spoken by your word Your Holy Spirit's leading me You are my only one You're the only one Worth living for So I'm My dreams with you